go to the cross and shed His blood and die for a sinner like me. Uh, of course, it wasn't just for me. Yeah, it was for you as well. If you've bent the knee and bowed the head and surrendered your heart and your life to Christ, then that blood was uh, was shed for you. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And, uh, we're going to be looking at the first, well, we're going to start in 17 and go through the last uh, verse, 31. 17 through 31 in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What I want to talk to you about the remainder of our time this morning is the effect of the cross. Did you know that the cross was effectual? Uh, the effect of the cross means that it had the desired effect that God purposed it to have. It's kind of like the Word of God. The Bible says, My word that proceedeth forth from my mouth shall not return unto me void, that it will accomplish that which I send it forth. To do the word of God never returns to God empty or void of what God purposed it in one life, one heart. It'll melt it like ice, and they'll bend the knee and bow the head and surrender their lives to Christ. But what about the next? What about the one that uh, resists or rejects Christ as Lord and Savior? Well, the word of God, like the sun, again it melts the snow, but it hardens the clay. Amen. And uh, sometimes the word of God does nothing more than harden a heart and stiffen it and uh, make them not. Uh, want Christ, uh, though they never wanted Him before, they still don't want Him in spite of the preaching of the Gospel. But my friend, the Word of God is powerful. It is quick. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing asunder both soul and spirit, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is what the Word of God does. Well, the same is true about the preaching of the cross. Boy, I'll tell you, there have been some some fine men that, that built their whole ministry, their life, their reputation, their all on the preaching of the cross. One of the best ones I know of is Billy Graham. Uh, Billy Graham, every message that he ever preached, I believe he mentioned the cross of Christ in it somehow. Why? Because the cross of Christ is the power of God. Amen. It's the preaching of the Gospel. What is the Gospel other than the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ Himself, who died on the cross to shed His blood, a ransom for all who will bend the knee and bow the head and surrender their hearts and lives to Him, the preaching and the message of the cross, though, has been treated in these days much like um, Christ Himself. You know, a lot of people don't give much creed or credit uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And um, in the days that He was crucified, uh, that's exactly how they, they treated Him uh, with disdain they beat him they spit on him they nailed him to the cross thinking that nailing him to the cross was going to end his life but my friend all they did was just blow it up i mean it magnified who he was and, and by the way when i say the effect of the cross or the power of the cross you hear a lot of people preach on on the topic of the power of the cross we can look through these verses that we're going to be looking at here in a minute and you'll see that. But, but the cross itself is really just a couple of sticks nailed together and it was an instrument of death. There is nothing really powerful or special about the cross other than the one who hung on it. 
It's not about the cross. It's about the Christ of the cross. And sometimes we get so used to, it's kind of like that uh, serpent that uh, Travis says, man, I still got that thing stuck in my head. Talking about that brazen serpent uh, last week that was raised up. And uh, he says, boy, I can't, I can't quit thinking about that. And, and, but the people who looked and lived by looking at the at their, uh, brazen serpent, you see, Christ says uh, the Son of Man must be lifted up as Moses lifted up you know, the, the serpent in the desert. And if any man look, he'll, he'll live. But what happened to the brazen serpent? Years later, the nation of Israel started worshiping the brass serpent. It wasn't a reflection of God's Word or the Messiah or the blood. You see, it was all about the serpent itself. Moses ground it up into powder and made the people drink it. And sometimes I think that we become so overly familiar with the cross, we've got them everywhere. I've got 238 of them, I think, hanging in my my house. Uh, thanks to Miss Joan, Amen. Praise God for uh, for Miss Joan. Every every birthday, every Christmas, uh, if it rained, I think she went out and bought me a cross, Amen. And I was thankful for that. I love her. I miss her. I can't wait to see her one day. But I, I have crosses hanging on every wall. I don't think I have a space in my in my home uh, that could hang another cross. But uh, there is a, a possibility of becoming over-familiar with a relic. But it's not the cross. It's the Christ of the cross. It's not the power of the cross, but the power of the blood that ran down the cross. You do understand when we talk about the power of the cross, the only thing that we're really speaking of is the purpose behind the cross that the Son of God, the Messiah, might die on it. It was an instrument of death. And His death was was for our sin. And we've got to realize the purpose that was behind the cross. The worldly wise uh, of the day, they sneer at the cross the powerful of the day that Christ was here, they laughed and mocked and denied Him. Yet it's by the preaching of Christ and Him crucified, the cross is still powerfully effective. By effective, again, I mean that when you, when you preach the, the cross and Christ crucified and risen and coming again, uh, that is what moves in the hearts and in the soul. But we call it regeneration. We, we call it new birth or being born again. That's not salvation. You realize that. The new birth and God moving in the heart to regenerate and wake up, that brings people to the point of salvation, but there still has to be the bending of the knee, the bowing of the head, the surrendering of the heart, the profession of faith, the receiving or the reception of Christ as our Lord and Savior. But it is the power of the cross, the preaching of the Gospel, the Word of God that reaches in the ears, that moves down to the heart, that opens the eyes, that draws men, women, boys and girls, to Christ. How does it do that? Again, through waking us up because we were dead to sin. We were dead. We were numb to the things of the Spirit until God moves in our hearts and in our lives. It alone separates the sheep from the goats. 
What does? Well, the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the cross, the power of the blood of Christ, the power of Christ crucified. And there are some things here in these verses that I want you to take a look at. We'll start in verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. It reads like this. It says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, for all of you people out in cyberspace, uh, I don't believe we have any here in the sanctuary or in the parking lot. Maybe in the parking lot, I don't know. But there are people in this world who believe in what's called, what we call, re-terminology, is baptismal regeneration. That in order to be born again or to be regenerated, uh, and they consider that saved, then baptism is a part of that. My friend, I want you to realize that if baptism was a part of your actual being saved, then Paul would have never written those words, for Christ sent me not to baptize. But He did send me for what? To preach the gospel. For with, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. You see, when you add something to the preaching of the gospel, then you nullify the gospel. When you add something to the preaching of the cross, when you add something to the shed blood of Jesus Christ, then you nullify the cross, you nullify the blood, you nullify the gospel because you are adding works into it. If I have to crawl over in that baptismal pool back there to wash away my sins, then I didn't need the blood of Christ. I could do it by my own effort. But my friend, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by grace through faith. For by grace through faith are you saved. And that not of yourselves. It's, it's a gift of God. Not of works. Not of meritorious actions of any kind. But only through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. For God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of man's word. You see, if I try to add my intellect or my understanding or my wisdom to the finished work of cross, the cross of Christ on the cross, then what I do is I take away from the actual power of the preaching of the cross itself. All I want to do Uh, I believe John MacArthur put it like this. He said, we are not chefs. Speaking of ministers. We are table waiters. And our job is not to prepare a meal. Our job is to deliver it to the table without messing it up. My friend, I want you to understand something. The Word of God preaches itself. It is very capable, very powerful. To reach into the hearts, into the minds, into the lives of people and draw them to Himself. God chose by the foolishness, the Bible says, by the foolishness of preaching that some might be saved. God says what I do is foolishness. What I do is just table, table wait. I'm a table hop. I just you know, bring the, the meal to the table and present it to the flock and, and present it even to the lost world. Because it's only the Word of God that reaches into the hearts and the minds and the lives of His chosen people that illuminate, regenerate, wake them up, and draw them to Himself that they might be saved. 
So we as the pastors, we as the Sunday school teachers, we as the ministers of God have to be very careful about what it is that we use the Word of God. Sometimes we use it as a sword to cut people and to... Listen, my friend, you you just present the Word. It's kind of like trying to defend a lion. You don't have to defend a lion. All you have to do is let him go. And he'll defend himself. And the Word of God is exactly the same. The preaching of the cross is powerful. Again, you look at verse 18. It says, For the preaching of the cross is to them which perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. Now the first point that I want you to notice is that to them that are perishing it's foolish. Now you understand, they don't understand why there should be any particular efficacy in the death of Christ. How, how does the preaching of the gospel have an impact in a person's life? It's, it's really not the gospel, it's just in the person's mind. I've had people tell me that, well, all you're doing is, is using a crutch. My friend, I want you to realize something. The preaching of the cross is not a crutch. The preaching of the cross is the un, unleashing of the lion of the tribe of of Judah, into the hearts and into the lives of people. So we do realize that it is the reconciliation of men, women, boys, and girls to the personage of God through Christ that is done by the preaching of the gospel. But the lost, lost man, the Bible says this, that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Where is that? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can he, for they are spiritual, and he is carnal, lost in sin. He's dead. He doesn't receive. He doesn't understand the things of God. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God has no impact in him whatsoever. And they think it is foolish. What does that mean? Well... When you tell somebody that God gave up heaven and put on flesh. Really, God became a man. That's foolish. Why would God want to become a man? I can understand men wanting to become God. There's a lot of people who want the power, want the success, want want the notability, notoriety that would go along with being God. But why in the world would God want to give up heaven and put on flesh and become a man? Oh, so he could go to the cross, shed his blood, and die. What? Have you lost your man? God died? What kind of God is that? We'll not have this man to rule over us. You do understand, them that are perishing, to them it is foolishness. The preaching of the cross. And Christ the Messiah. See, the Jews thought that the Messiah was coming back riding on a white horse that He was going to deliver them from the bondage and slavery of sin. Uh, No, He was going to deliver them from the bondage and slavery of Rome. And if the Messiah is going to show up and go to a cross, what good is that going to do us? That's foolishness. But you look at the verse again. It also says in verse 18, For the preaching of the cross to them that perish is foolish, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. To them that are being plucked out of the fire and being delivered from the dominion of sin. As God is moving us out of one 
position into the other, we come to a realization and an understanding of what it is that changed our destiny. What it is that changed our hearts. Who it is. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 puts it like this. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. To who? Oh, to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first, but also to the Greek. So it's to the Jew and to the Gentile. To the Jew and to the Gentile. When you say to the Jew and to the Gentile, what are you saying? It's to every man, woman, boy, and girl on the face of the earth. The preaching of the cross is like the Word of God that goes in the ear. It has the desired effect in the heart of every human being on the face of the earth that ever hears it. John chapter 1 and verse 12 says this, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power, To become the sons of God. Now the question came to me when I read that one time years ago. To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. Did they receive Him because they believed? Or did they believe because He gave them power? Did did, Did He give them power because they received Him? Or did they receive Him because God gave Him power? I'm saying God gave Him power because we were dead. Without hope. Without Christ. We had no power. No ability. Dead. Until God moved in our heart through regeneration and woke us up. So, to to the perishing is foolish. But to them that are being saved, it is the power of God. You look again at verse 19. We're going to go on through this. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now you see, there were some mighty wise people back in Christ's day when it came to Judaism, when it came to the law, when it came to keeping the Word of God. And yet they were religious, but they were lost. And Christ is saying, or Paul is saying, Christ is saying through Paul, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. These Pharisees and Sadducees and members of the Sanhedrin court, all of the religious but lost crowd that had rejected the cross, rejected Christ, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world or of man? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom, and the wisdom of themselves, they knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Now wait a minute. The Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And then it says this, but we preach Christ. To who? To the Jews and to the Greeks. To the Jews and to the Gentiles. But we preach Christ crucified. And under the Jews, that is a stumbling block. And under the Greeks or under the Gentiles, that's foolishness. But unto them which are called. Isn't that an amazing thing? Unto them that are called. Both Jew and Greek. Christ is the power of God. And the wisdom of God. Now in verse 23. I want you to look at something. To the Jew it's a stumbling block. To the Jew. Remember what I said a while ago. The Jews were looking for the Messiah to come on a white horse. Riding through the streets of Jerusalem. 
you know, just just annihilating Rome and freeing the, the people of God that they might rule and reign here on this earth with this Messiah that they've been waiting for centuries to show up. And now all of a sudden you're telling me that the Messiah has shown up and instead of riding into Jerusalem on a white horse, He went to a cross and died? See, that was a stumbling block to them. The poor Jews had been stumbling over the cross they have been stumbling over the cross even unto this day since the day Christ was crucified. They're still looking for a white horse and a man to ride in on it to set them free. You know, you know what I think the biggest, if you allow me, chicken bone <laughs> that gets stuck in their throat is when they realize that we crucified the Messiah. We murdered the Messiah. Is that what you're telling me? Stumbling block. Sorry, can't accept it. We'll not receive it. We'll not believe it. We'll not turn away from what it is that we've been taught as Jews all of our lives. But it also says in verse 23 to the Jews, not only was it a stumbling block, but to the Greeks, again, it was, it was foolishness. And the Greeks seek after wisdom is what that verse said. But the message of the cross, which is the embodiment of the wisdom of Christ, is to those worldly wise people. And the Greeks, listen, they, they had the Aristotles of the world. They had the people that were the philosophers and the educators of the world. And for me to tell them or for you to tell them that God gave up heaven and put on flesh and went to the cross and shed His blood that we might be forgiven of our sins and He rose from the dead. That God put on flesh, became us in the likeness of sinful flesh and went to the cross and died for our sin and rose again for our justification. To them was the stupidest thing that they had ever heard in their life. I remember a time in my own life that I thought Christianity was a stupid, stupid thing. Oh, it grieves my soul to remember that. To know that about myself. I thought the people as I drove by a church and I saw the cars in the parking lot and thought about what was going on on the inside, I thought the people in there were wasting their time, their money, and their life. And I thought that was one of the most foolish things a person could do with his time and his money. Throw it away. Throw it away. My friend, do you understand when the Holy Spirit of God shows up in your heart and in your life, in your mind, and through the preaching of the cross, through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, illuminates and regenerates, wakes up and draws you to Himself, then everything changes. It literally changes you from the inside out. And all I'm saying is, is it's not the cross that changed me from the inside out. It's, it's not even the blood of Christ that changed me from the inside. It's not the Word of God that changed me from the inside out. Do you understand what changed me was God. God used the cross. God used the blood of Christ. God uses the Word of God. But the only thing that saves, the only thing that changes a heart... The only thing that changes a destiny it's God. God does it. 
The Bible says you search the Scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. In the cross, you think you have eternal life. In the blood, you think you have eternal life. Oh, but they are they which speak of Me, and you'll not receive Me that you might have life. You see, it's in the personage of Jesus Christ. It's in the calling of God. You look again at verse 24. And it's his, his plain. I don't, I don't think I can say it any plainer than what that says. Verse 20, but unto them which are called. And you can insert the word the called there. Some people say, well, everybody's called. And well, if that's true, then why does verse 23 says, we preach or we call. And that's what preaching is. Is the preacher standing behind the pulpit giving a general call to the population of people that are under the sound of His voice to come. Come to Christ. Come to the cross. Come to the blood. Come to the Word of God. Come to the God of the Word. Surrender your heart. Surrender your soul. Surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Who comes? Not all of those who are under the sound of my voice, but only those who are under the sound of His. You see, this says in verse 23 that we as preachers preach Christ crucified. We preach them unto everybody, Jews and Greeks. And yet, both, but unto them, both Jews and Greeks, only the called. Christ, the power of God. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks. Unto them that are called, both Jews and Greeks. Well, listen, if they were talking about the call I give, then all of the Jews and all of the Greeks would come. But this is saying that those who are called, and he's talking about the calling of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the effectual call of the cross, the effectual call of the blood of Christ, the effectual call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We preach Christ crucified under the Jews. There, It's a stumbling block. Under the Greeks, it's foolishness. But even though all of the Jews, all of the Greeks think it's a stumbling block and foolishness, but under them which are called by the Spirit, both the Jews and the Greeks that are called by Christ, the preaching of the cross is the power of God and wisdom because the foolishness of God is wiser than man and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren. Your calling in the Gospel. Your calling in the Holy Spirit. How that not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Wait a minute. There's a lot of wise men, women, boys and girls on the face of the planet. We give the call to every man, woman, boy and girl. What do you mean not many are called? All are called, right? No. Not by the Holy Spirit. Not many wise, not many noble are called by the Holy Spirit through regeneration and waking you up to see your need for Christ to bring you to the point of submission and surrender of everything that you are to everything that He is. You understand that is the effectualness. That's why I called it the effect of the cross. Because the effect of the cross is the effect of the effectual call of God in your heart. I want you to notice some things about this. You look at verse, well, we'll read on down to verse 30 and 31, but 
It says, for you see in verse uh, 20, 25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise, not many uh, men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in the presence of God. But of Him are you in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus, it is of Him and not of yourselves. Who of God is made unto you wisdom. Now listen to this. Wisdom and righteousness sanctification and redemption that according as it is written he that glorious man don't glory in yourself don't glory in your wisdom don't glory in your ability to see your need and to your uh, tenderness of heart to be touched by the gospel my friend if we're going to glory in anything we glory in the work that God has done in us That and that alone is pleasing to God. For only by God's mighty grace is Christ made unto us wisdom for the mind. Do you understand that the the preaching of the cross, the shedding of the blood, the gospel, the, the redemption that is in the blood and the cross of Christ, when God illuminates and regenerates us, that brings a wisdom to the mind of the people. He's given us a capacity to understand spiritual things. Boy, I'm glad I don't read through the Bible like I did 40 years ago and say, man, I am getting nothing out of that. I can't remember it. I can't understand it. It don't make any sense to me. Well, that's because you're lost. That's because the carnal mind receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, neither can they, because they are spiritual and He is carnal, sold under sin. But when God illuminates and regenerates and wakes us up and draws us to Himself, then we receive and understand the things of the Spirit. That is the wisdom that the preaching of the cross brings to our life. And then it says not only wisdom for the mind, but righteousness for the heart. The righteousness comes not by works of the law. It's not by the works of the law, but by... The grace of Christ. The reckoning of grace. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And we have wisdom in our mind, but we have righteousness in our heart. The righteousness of Christ is attributed to our hearts and our lives. Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. What is sanctification? Well, it it is attributed to us for the work that God has called us to do. The preaching of the cross is to us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification that we might be set apart for the glory and honor of God. I know that Christ set us apart for His glory and His honor, but now we set ourselves apart. Positional, practical. Practical is what I practice. Practice is what I do for the glory and honor of God. On their behalf, Jesus said, I consecrate myself. Consecrate, sanctification, pretty much the same word, in order that they may become 
perfectly consecrated in truth. I consecrate myself that they might be consecrated in truth. That they might be set aside. And now that He has set us aside, what are we to do other than sanctify or consecrate or set ourselves apart for His glory and His honor? And lastly, I like that word where it says that uh, we were given wisdom for the mind, righteousness for the heart, sanctification for the work, but redemption. Redemption. What does that word mean? It means that we were purchased. We were purchased with a price. More precious than silver and gold. We were purchased with the price of the blood of Christ. When He went to the cross, it's not the cross, it's the blood. It's the life. It's the person that hung on the cross. And He redeemed us. He purchased us back. The redemption was for our assurance. Like the wisdom was for the mind. The righteousness for the heart. The sanctification for the work. But the redemption for the assurance that we might know. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. How do I know that I know? Hereby do we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth's not in him. Yes, but how do I know that I know? Because I've been redeemed. I've been purchased. I've been bought. He didn't buy a plan. He bought a people. He bought me. I hope and pray that he bought you. Christ said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Redeemed. I, I like that. Who was it? I believe Arthur Pink taught me this. We were redeemed from the power, the practice, and the pleasure of sin. And very soon, I believe with all of my heart, we will even be redeemed from the presence. See, I was saved. Justified. I am being saved. Sanctified. One day I shall be saved, glorified. I look forward to the day of glorification. I look forward to the day that I see the risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ face to face. I can't wait to see Him. But my friend, until then, we have a life to live. The price that was paid was for the possession of the person to be able to live the life that God has called us to live for His glory and His honor. Remember the verse that I spoke to you a while ago. It's in Isaiah. It says, My word will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I send it forth to do. My friend, He has sent us forth by the power of the cross and the resurrection of Christ and His blood that was shed. He has indwelt us by the power of the Spirit to give us the Word of God hidden in our heart. And just as the Word of God shall not return unto Him void, but it will accomplish that which I send it forth to do, so should we, as the bearers of that Word, accomplish what He has sent us forth to do. Bring glory and honor to Him with our lives. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You so much for Your love, for Your mercy. 
Thank you for this day and this time that we've had together in your house on on this this Sunday we call Palm Sunday. Thank you for your victorious entry. God, forgive us, uh, Lord, for in our founding fathers crying out, even from our own lips, 2,000 years later, crucify Him. We'll not have this man to rule over us. But God, You have moved in our hearts. You've convicted us and drawn us to Yourself that we might submit to Your Lordship, to You ruling and reigning in our hearts that we might live a life that brings glory and honor to You. Forgive us for our sin. Help us where we're weak. We'll give You and You alone the glory and the praise for who You are and what You do. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for His sake. Amen.